This is Pure Decking, show number 546 for Thursday, December the 14th, 2023. This is a show about stuff that interests me, like information security, rigging the game, and there's nothing like the holidays to give you a good general disdain for everyone else. At least if you have to go out in public at all. <laughs> or just maybe it's just traffic. I don't know. Anyways. I checked out two weeks ago. Yeah, that's probably the right answer. There's there's entire parts of uh, the the towns around where I live, where I just you just don't go in December. You just don't do it because <laughs> if you do, I've made the mistake once. If you go down there, you will be stuck <laughs> for an it, you know hours, hours trying to get out. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just stupid. It's absolutely stupid. I just smack I'm gonna the do my shit last out of my work laptop. Who's run for the year? Oh, no it will take forever. Yeah. Sorry about that. I just smacked the ever-loving crap out of my work laptop because I've got it in a different spot than the usual. <laughs> I'm just like, whoops. <laughs> it's, the priority being work laptop. Not it, yours. No, okay. It's fine. It's fine. Just made a noise. Didn't hurt it. So... Yeah, the the gag of it is, oh, no, you have to ship your old laptop back. Use the packaging that the new one came in. Well, okay, but the, the new one's uh, smaller. <laughs> I don't think the pack, I don't think the old one will fit. So I, I messaged them about it and, you know, they've got half our help desk outsourced. So one, I could barely understand the guy. And two, he was like, oh, no, you have to use the packaging. And I'm like, I mean, I can make it fit, but don't be surprised if there's a lot of duct tape around that box. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he understood me. So. Anyways. Uh, I should point out, this is going to be the last pure decking of the year. I suspect we'll come back second or third week of January. Just kind of when everybody's back and we're ready to start again. So. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Next couple of weeks, between weeks between holidays and all the other madness. I just, we're just not going to do it. So. Plus the news cycle stops soon. Yeah, pretty much. So anymore. But uh, I'll definitely keep it on the BBS and things like that. So it's, you know, not completely out of, well, kind of completely out of contact, but not fully. So, But anyways, I guess we'll get into it here. Um, first story I've got is from Ars Technica. Broadcom ends VMware perpetual license sales, testing customers and partners. So essentially what's happened here is Broadcom bought VMware. And... If you're not familiar with what VMware is, um, well, pretty much every major corporate data center ran on VMware. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, you could always install it on your desktop VMware player and you know run virtual machines locally, but that's not really what they were focused on. They were focused on virtualizing servers. So they had a lot of software around it, a lot of long-time installations. This is going to be interesting to see what happens. They're certainly not the first company to do this. Um, and I'm not, I'm not picking on VMware specifically, really, especially because their market has kind of changed and that they're getting a lot of competition from cloud hosting. And there's pretty good open source alternatives to VMware. Um, you know, so you, you can... You know, the, the cost model is an interesting one. Um, but it's just this general idea, 
that that they're doing, and we're seeing other companies do it too. Uh, Broadcom has moved forward with plans to transition VMware, a virtualization and cloud computing company, into a subscription-based business. As of December the 11th, it no longer sells perpetual licenses with VMware products. VMware, whose $61 billion acquisition by Broadcom closed in November, also announced on Monday that it will no longer sell support and subscription service uh, for VMware products with perpetual licenses. Moving forward, VMware will only offer term licenses or subscriptions, according to its VMware blog post. VMware customers with perpetual licenses and active support contracts can continue using them. So they didn't try to pull the Adobe thing and say that we're, we're no longer honoring the, agree- the, the, the license you purchased for the older versions of Adobe software. They got that going for them anyway. Yeah. Um, also, they probably have no means of deactivating it built into that software. Otherwise, you know they flipping would. Um. Yeah, can continue using them. VMware will, quote, will provide support as defined in contractual commitments, unquote. Chris Prasad, Senior Vice President and General Manager of VMware's Cloud uh, Foundation Division, wrote, but when the customer's SNS term ends, they will not have any support. Broadcon hopes this will force customers into subscriptions, and it's offering, quote, upgrade pricing incentives, unquote, that weren't detailed in the blog post for customers who switched from perpetual licensing to a subscription. In other words, their salespeople can, you know, have a little flexibility in trying to get people to agree to go into a a subscription service rather than just buying licenses. But, yeah, uh, they've got a list of products here. I don't think there's any particular value in reading these it's everything they've got all the major vmware products in here so uh broadcom is looking to grow vmware's e-b-i-d-t-i-t-d-a jesus that's that's not one i've heard and i work for a bank (laughs) what is this it's uh it's definitely a mouthful earnings before interest taxes depreciation and amortization okay then (laughs) from about $4.7 billion to about $8.5 billion in three years, largely through shifting the company's business model to subscriptions. Tom Krause, president of the Broadcom Software Group, said during a December 7th earnings call for Forbes. So they're expecting to double the, the, the raw earnings, which is what I think that crazy acronym stands for. It's just the, the straight-up profit. You know, It's not their cost. It's not their taxes, all that other stuff. Um, they're looking to about double it in three years by shifting to subscriptions. Well, shifting to subscriptions does not mean new customers. Basically, they're flat out announcing that they expect to milk their current customers for more money. I'd expect one third of the firms start looking elsewhere for stuff. Well, especially when there's open source stuff and cloud hosting stuff like right there. It seems like the wrong move. I think uh, they may be rethinking this uh, come mid-financials next year. Uh, We'll see how long it takes them to realize that it may not be mid-financials next year. It might be longer than that because they've got a lot of inertia. And there will be a lot of companies who will pay that subscription model because their current data center is VMware. And it would cost them more to transition it to something else. So they'll just... They'll just pay VMware more money. And I think that's, it's kind of, it's the trailer park model, you know? Yeah. Trailer parks are technically mobile, but they usually cost more to move than just buying a new trailer somewhere else. So, yeah. um, you know, and that's, that's what trailer parks count on when they, you know, double and triple people's lot rent. Did we do stories on that or did I just read about it? Uh, no, that was a story of a couple of years ago. BlackRock had started buying up trailer parks. Okay, I don't think we did um, that one on decking, though, did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we did? Okay. It's a big financial story. Because uh, BlackRock and Citadel and State Street uh, went around buying up all the trailer parks, and no one could figure out what the fuck they were doing. And now we know what they were doing. Yeah. And the um, there was the other story about IBM. Um that um oh whatever james o'keefe's new company is that did an expose on them they got into a couple of their conference calls and recorded them basically openly admitting to racisms i guess it'd be reverse racism if you use that term but uh you know 
basically saying don't hire white people, which, <laughs> I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, IBM's not exactly looking like a winner these days either, so Splunk kind of ate their lunch in the Q radar market, and just about everybody has eaten their lunch in the AI market, so... That on their name for too long? I mean, they sold off their consumer electronics to Lenovo years ago. I don't, I, I mean, I know they host data centers. I do. I know they do some cloud work. I don't, I don't know what else they've got at this point. Well, they bought Red Hat. They have Red Hat. So, yeah. you know, that sucks because if they're applying that kind of ESG crap to Red Hat, that's going to make Red Hat have even more problems than they had last year. Well, I read an article I think about a month back where they said uh, ESG markets lost uh, 3.5 billion already. Well, even Disney said it wasn't about profits. It was about social yeah. alignment or whatever the hell the term they used but was. What fucking um, Larry Fink BlackRock said, you know, this is about making people change their habits through financial obligations. So... With changes effective immediately among the, uh, uh, upon the announcement, the news might sound abrupt. However, in May, soon after it's announcing its plan to acquire VMware, Broadcom CEO Hawk Tan signaled a rapid transition to subscriptions. At the time, Tan pointed to the importance of maintaining current VMware customers' happiness, as well as leveraging the VMware sales team already in place. However, after less than a month after the deal's close, Reports point to concern among VMware customers and partners. Well, yeah, they're planning on doubling their income off your ass. Of course there should be concern. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm a layman at reading the business language and the, the financial shit, right? I'm sure people who do this professionally knew exactly what those meant and had already been planning for it. So, yep. uh, VMware blogged, uh, VMware's blog said, quote, the industry has already embraced subscriptions as the standard for cloud consumption, unquote. Uh, for years, software and even hardware vendors and investors have been pushing IT solution provider partners and customers towards recurring revenue models. However, VMware built much of its business on the perpetual license model. As noted by the stack, VMware in February noted that perpetual licensing was the company's, quote, most renowned model, unquote. VMware's blog this week listed, quote, continuous innovation, unquote, and, quote, faster time to value, unquote, as customer benefits for subscription models, but didn't detail how it came to those conclusions. <laughs> That's a good line. Wow. So in other words, they're going to be continually changing the software under, the, under your nose, and you're not going to have a lot of control over your systems. Learn Linux. Anyways, um... Predictable investments is also listed, but it's hard to imagine a more predictable expense than paying for something once and having support access to it indefinitely, quote, assu um, assuming you continue paying any support costs. Now, VMware and its partners will be left uh, convincing customers that their finances can afford a new monthly expense for something they thought was paid for. For Broadcom, though, it's easier to see the benefit of turning VMware into a more of a reliable and recurring revenue stream. Additionally, Broadcom's layoffs of at least 2,837 VMware employees have brought uncertainty to the VMware brand. A CRN report in late November pointed to VMware partners hearing customer concerns about potential price raises and the lack of support. C.R. Howdyshell, CEO of Advitsk, I don't know how to say that, uh, which purportedly made $30 million in VMware-tied revenue in 2022, Two told the publication that partners and customers were experiencing, quote, significant concern and chaos, unquote, around VMware sales. Another channel partner noted to CRN the layoff um, of a close VMware sales con uh, contact. But Broadcom has made it clear it wants to, quote, complete the transition of all VMware by Broadcom solutions to subscription licenses, unquote, per Prasad's blog. The company hopes to convince skeptical channel partners that they'll see the way to VMware, like many tech companies, urging subscription models pointed to, quote, many partners, unquote, having success with subscription models already and, quote, opportunity for partners to engage in more strategically with customers and deliver higher value services that drive customer success, unquote. Okay, that last line's just bullshit. That's literally bullshit. just uh -huh. marketing mumbo jumbo. It means nothing. Engage more strategically literally means nothing. It just means 
I mean, if you want to apply meaning to it, it's like, oh, we're going to be more direct and have a closer alignment with our customers. No, you're not. It doesn't mean anything. Higher value services that drive customer success means nothing. Nothing. It means nothing. There is nothing there. That is literally feel-good words that you whack off with. That's, that's, that's marketing jerk-off is all that is. Uh, however, because there's no immediate customer benefit to the end of perpetual licenses, those impacted by VMware's change in business strategy have to assess how much they're willing to pay to access VMware products moving forward. And see, the gag of it is, okay, VMware is actually a really good platform if you're building out a data center. They have a lot of good options. Their interfaces are fairly clean now that they finally cleaned up the transition from the old Flash-based stuff. Um, you know, NSX is an interesting product for networking. There's a lot of good platforms built on VMware. But Amazon matches every single one of them. Azure matches most of them. I actually haven't played with the Google Cloud services lately, so I couldn't tell you on that one. And you can do everything that you can do in VMware with KVM. It's just not as pretty on the interface. You might have to pull up and configure a text file. And there's a couple of companies making interfaces that go on top of KVM that can absolutely do the same stuff as VMware. So it's, it's, there's a lot of customer lock-in and that you do have customers who will not want to re-engineer their entire data center to move off of VMware because of VMware's dumb you know, pricing change here. But given the costs involved, you know, what, what, I don't, they didn't say what the pricing was compared to the old VMware licenses. So if that's, you know, they're planning on doubling their income. So I'm expecting them to be more. That might be yeah. significant enough for people to, you know, for some businesses to seriously go, okay, we have to re-engineer our data center. And some will just do it out of spite. Yeah. Um and given that the, the current uh, tech hipster thing to do is code is, you know, is, is infrastructure as code. So you can just redeploy into whatever, um, you know, environment you want, you know, Ansible and Docker and shit like that. It might be a pain in the butt, but if you're not on legacy systems tied to very specific versions of, you know, operating systems and code bases, if you've actually been doing the containerization and, and infrastructure as code stuff that they've been pushing for the past couple of years, moving to new VMs hosted in KVM or a cloud service instead of on VMware, I mean, that's like nothing. No. So it's not, it's not a locked-in market like Broadcom thinks it is. Um, it's more locked-in than some, but it's not nearly as locked-in as they think it is, right? So. You know, I don't, this is not going to win any favors. You know, this, all this marketing bullshit is basically, we're going to get more money so that we might be able to give you a better product. But I can, I, I can tell you from, you know, doing my job that um, when the vendors can just change shit in the background and it doesn't go through, say, a beta environment and you don't get notice of those changes this has happened a couple of times, especially with things like Office 365 and Amazon, AWS, uh, when stuff can change in the background overnight and your company's not aware of it for one reason or another, you literally just wake up one morning to shit being broken for yeah. no good reason. And you have no control over it. So if VMware can push updates to your data center in the dead of night and you have no control over it, yeah, why it's going to be a game, game changer, isn't it? Well, there's, it means there's no point in running your own data center yeah. on VMware anymore. You might as well go to a cloud service because why pay for the hosting if, if you're, or why pay for the hardware and the physical location if you don't have any more control over it? There's a good argument to do that now. Uh, well, up until now, which was, you know, you know where your data is, you know where your machines are hosted, you have complete control over the infrastructure. You know, assuming you're wanting to pay for all that. But yeah. if you're not, well, there's really not much of an argument for not going to a cloud service. But they're not the only software company doing this shit. Where they're taking things that where people had already bought perpetual licenses 
and trying to turn them into subscriptions. Uh, there was a recent uh, spat with um, um, Propeller Software, I think is the company that makes Reason. It's, a, it's audio software. Uh, Ross, Lewis Rossman did a YouTube video about it. But basically, they decided to deactivate the uh, DRM servers for several of the older versions of their software. And people were trying to reinstall the old versions of their software because, um, well, a lot of people who do electronic music like having several versions because if they need to open a file that was made in this particular version to work on it, opening it in the new versions doesn't always work and it doesn't always say sound the same. And, um, yeah, it was like this public email thread that got posted where they basically told the guy to fuck off and buy a new version. So, and of course, that is, that is awesome customer service. Well, and, and Adobe's, Adobe's the poster child for this, right? Of just taking away the, you know, literally they had a post a few years back saying, oh no, if you run old versions of Adobe software, we might sue you for license violation because we have invalidated all of the old licenses you purchased. And of course we talked about Sony taking away people's video. You know, these companies literally don't respect the idea of a purchase. They're thinking, well, we can just take it away and force you to buy it again. Yeah. It's, I'm getting a little sick of that. I mean, I've never heard a better argument for software piracy, cracking the DRM and keeping physical, your own physical copies. You know, run your own yeah. file server and put your shit on there. Burn discs. I mean, I guess if you're going to do it legit, collect consoles. You know, actually collect the cartridges. But, um, yeah, the more companies have decided that they're going to turn it into a subscription service, recurring revenue, and we have control, not you, the more I'm thinking, okay, time to keep po- my, uh, local copies of everything. <laughs> yeah. I got a Dropbox story about that. Um, Two here after we do the Tesla story. So, but yeah, I mean, these company, you know, companies are getting worse about this whole we own your ass shit. Yep. Live by subscription. Well, that, that's what they want. Uh huh. So let's do this BBC story that you Is sent me, are one? you? Elon Musk's Tesla recalls 2 million cars in the U.S. over autopilot defect. Tesla is recalling more than 2 million cars after the U.S. regulator found its driver assistance system autopilot was partially defective. It follows a two-year investigation into crashes which occurred when the tech was still in use. Or was in use. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put the word still in there. Uh... The recall applies to almost every Tesla sold in the U.S. since the autopilot feature was launched in 2015. Tesla, owned by billionaire Elon Musk, said it would send a software update, quote, over the air, unquote, to fix the issue. The update happens automatically and does not require a visit to a dealership or garage, but is still uh, referred to by the U.S. regulator as a recall. The UK Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency said it was not aware of any safety issues involving Teslas in the UK, noting that the cars sold in the UK are not equipped with all the same features as cars in the US. Quote, Teslas sold in the UK market are not self-driving and are not approved to do so, unquote, a spokesperson said, adding the agency would continue to monitor the situation. Autopilot is meant to help with steering, acceleration, and braking, but despite the name, the car still requires driver's input. Tesla software is supposed to make sure that the driver is paying attention and that the feature is only in use in appropriate conditions, such as driving on highways. But the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said a two-year investigation of 956 Tesla crashes, I didn't know it was that high, found that, quote, the oh. pr- is that underreported? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Silly crashes, that's not spontaneous fires or garage explosions. Oh, I just didn't know it was that many. It's the EV market is, how do you put it delicately? They suppress fucking everything about it. <laughs> is that delicate enough? Yes. I don't know what more to fucking say, you know? They don't work in the cold. They catch fire. You know, it's just, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, 956 Tesla crashes found that, quote, the prominence and scope of the features controls may not be sufficient to prevent driver misuse, unquote. 
Quote, automated technology holds great promise for improving safety, but only when it is deployed responsibly. Unquote. The NHTSA wrote, adding it would continue to monitor the software once it was updated. Tesla did not respond to a request for comment. According to the recall notice, the company did not concur with the agency's analysis, but agreed to add new features to resolve the concerns, including additional checks on turning on the self-driving features. The recall comes a week after a former Tesla employee told the BBC he believed the technology was not safe. Lukas Kruspski, I butchered that, uh, speaking after winning the Blueprint Prize, which recognizes whistleblowers, told the BBC, quote, I don't think the hardware is ready and the software is ready, unquote. Uh, quote, it affects all of us because we are essentially experiments in public roads, unquote, he claimed. Reacting to the news right. of the recall, Mr. Kruspi, I, I don't know how to say that name, told the BBC it was a, quote, step in the right direction, unquote, but pointed out that it was not just a problem in the U.S. Quote, the hardware still is the same in all Teslas in the U.S., China, etc., unquote, he said. It's a hardware problem. So. so how do they fix it by not putting <coughs> it into the shop? Yeah, with an over-the-air I mean, update. Now, that said, that said... They've admitted flat out, it's a hardware problem. No no amount of fucking software updates is going to fix this. The, the cars are crap. But you know what this reminds me of? You know what the EV reminds me of? What's that? Early access video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are in the early access video games. Everybody's fucking doing it. Hey, we'll just patch that shit and update. You know what I mean? Like... Well, it just see, it's it seems not, like we're in that for cars. This early access bullshit. It's not impossible to deal with hardware problems with a software update. I will say that. However, usually when you're reading about that, it's NASA because they've been dealing with a hardware failure for like a 40 year old satellite. Yeah, and I do have the the Voyager one story near the end. So. <laughs> So it's I don't know that it's going to be Tesla with their contract programmers. Well, I don't know how many of them are contract. I shouldn't do that. But um, I mean, maybe I mean, it's not impossible to deal with a hardware problem in software. But usually what you're doing is working around a bug in the hardware, not correcting the issue. And nine times out of ten, when you're doing that, it's because you're turning a feature off. So. It is interesting they're calling it a recall and then just doing an over-the-air update overnight without the drivers having to do a damn thing. I just... You know, what's big, to stop somebody from... Doubt. What's, what's to stop somebody from getting into Tesla's network and pushing a bad update to all these cars and bricking them? Oh, that day hasn't come yet, Morbs. Doesn't mean it's not coming. It just hasn't happened yet. And for the record, I like a lot of the stuff with the EVs. Yeah, their motors are more efficient. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool technology with them. You know, when they work, I don't, I'm not so sure about the self-driving stuff. My problem has always been the battery. And you and I have had that conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it only, only takes basic math to figure out what you got to do to make a battery to uh, figure out that these things aren't environmental whatsoever. Um. And you know, I'm the when, opposite, dude. EV cars can go fuck off. When they solve and the battery problem, as well. When they solve the batteries, I might be oh, interested. Not, not but, even if they solve the battery problem. But right now, I'm not, not really. I mean, I know people who who have them. I've driven, I've driven one. I just one, and this this is a me problem. I don't fit in the damn things. They're all they're all small, and I'm not a small person. <laughs> so. Well, considering I'm of jockey size, I don't have an issue with any cars, including supercars. Actually, I feel like a glove in a supercar. You know, if I have to fold myself in half 12 times to get in the car, that's a problem. (laughs) You'd have had a hell of a lot of problems getting in and out of my 180, man. Yes, I would have. Because it was only 90 millimeters off the ground. Well, when I was car shopping a couple of years ago, they tried to put me in a RAV4. I could not get in it. I physically could not get in the driver's side of that car. Terrible car, though. The the sales guy didn't believe me. He's like, oh, you can get in there. I'm like, look, dude, I can't bend my head down enough to get in this car. He goes, well, put the seat back. I'm like, it is back. He goes, no, it's not. And he comes over and he starts hitting the button. He's like, oh, it is back. It's like, dude, I can't get in this car. 
He goes, well, you just got to drop slouching. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Why, why would I suffer my com- my comfort? Just what? To- comfort? Nothing. I have to drive to Kentucky on a regular basis. My back. <laughs> this, is, this is the problem with this idea of universal car manufacturing. Like, there's a reason American Muscle was a big car. There's a reason the American station wagon was a big fucking station wagon. You know what I mean? Well, it's like that AI video they, we put in a few weeks ago. It's, why don't they make them normal size? And, of course, a big old fat guy in a big giant truck. Man, I'd, I'd hate to be a linebacker in, in the NFL. I've got fuck you money, but I can't have a really nice car because I just can't fit. You have to, you know you have to I mean? custom order them. I mean, that, that's why it goes like that by Hummers and huge trucks. Uh, that, see, you're limiting yourself. Once you get over six foot, dude, you're really starting to limit yourself in vehicles. Because you have a choice in how tall you are. <laughs> no, I mean, as in, if you're six foot, you're not, you can't look at the Asian car market. You're too big. You're right about you, that, and you. I, that, I am. I am right at six foot, so I have a yeah. hard time. You have to look at the European market. You know your BMWs, your Jaguars, things like that, where the, you know the, the men in in the Europe are a larger breed. I mean, think about We're poor Suave. <laughs> he really does have to fold himself in half a couple of times <laughs> to get in any car. <laughs> I feel sorry for you guys in airline flights too. Like, oh, I know. It's suck ass. Oh, I know. Um, I, I hate. Okay, no, no word of a lie. One time traveling for work, um, I, I got the seat that supposedly had extra room. Well, the armrests on them were these these wall things. I physically couldn't fit in the seat. I could not sit down. And yes, I'm a fat ass. I admit this. I need to lose some weight. Who doesn't? But. I couldn't fit in the damn seat, and the stewards just said, "Sorry, can't help you. Get in there as best you can." I said, what do you mean you can't help me? She said, well, there's no open seats. I'm like, well, can't you swap me with somebody? I don't care about, you know, if you put me in a seat with less leg room, if I can fit in the thing. She goes, yeah, can't help you. So. Yeah, that's why I always go to the emergency exit row. I just watch all the six foot somethings just see that me as they walk past to see the midget in the the extra leg room. (laughs) Oh, I had a huge ass bruise all up my side because. You know, oh, I don't doubt sitting there riding well, on the damn armrest. I mean, I tried domestic travel in the States, like, by aircraft. Those fucking hell, dude. That, that was a nightmare trip. That was rough even for me. So. Anyway, let's move on to another story. Next article is about Dropbox. It's from Ars Technica. Dropbox spooks users with new AI features that sends data to OpenAI when used. So literally your files just going straight to open AI. On Wednesday, news spread quickly on social media about a new enabled by default. And there's my problem uh, setting Dropbox setting that is shares Dropbox data with open AI for an experimental AI powered search feature. But Dropbox says data is only shared if the feature is actively being used, which it is by default. (laughs) Dropbox That's deceptive. Is, yeah. Dropbox says that user data shared with third-party AI partners isn't used to train AI models and is deleted with th- within 30 days. How do you know that? Even with assurances of data privacy laid out by Dropbox on the AI privacy FAQ page, the discovery that the setting had been enabled by default upset some Dropbox users. The setting was first noticed by writer Winfred Burton who shared information on the third-party AI setting through Blue Sky on Tuesday. The infrequent AI critic uh, Carla Orts shared more information about it on X. On Wednesday afternoon, Drew Houston, the CEO of Dropbox, apologized for customer confusion in a post on X and wrote, quote, The third-party AI toggle in the settings menu enables or disables access to DBX AI features and functionality. Neither this nor any other setting automatically or passively sends it dro- any Dropbox customer data to a third-party AI service. Bullshit! Uh, excuse me. Uh, customers wrote that um, communication about the change could have been clearer. AI researcher Simon Wilson wrote, quote, Great example here of how careful companies need to be in, a clearly, in clearly communicating what's going on with AI to access personal data. 
So why would Dropbox ever send user data to OpenAI anyways? In July, the company announced an AI-powered feature called Dash that allows AI models to perform universal searches across platforms like Google Workspace and Microsoft Outlook. According to the Dropbox Privacy FAQ, the third-party AI opt-out setting is part of the Dropbox AI Alpha, which is a controversial interface for um, or conversational interface for exploring the file contents that involves setting a or chatting with a ChatGPT-style bot using "ask something about this file" feature. To make it work, an AI language model similar to the one that powers ChatGPT needs access to your files. Going to the FAQ, the third-party AI toggle in your account settings is turned on by default if, quote, you or your team, unquote, are participating in the Dropbox AI alpha. The problem there is you don't know that, and I checked. I'm not. However, I've got another qualm about Dropbox. When I went in to check, it you know put a big pop-up box in front of me on, on the settings page trying to get me to trying to upsell me to another plan and uh the language on it was intentionally backwards about oh no i don't want to save money and uh uh <laughs> you know it's like literally just don't change my fucking billing to a different plan because be i do use dropbox i do use more space on the than the free account gives um i i use it for sending photos to people and it's actually really fucking good at that, which sucks because now I want to find something different because of the shit. It's like it's a good tool and they're fucking it up, you know, which I know is the norm, but still. Um, but yeah, it's basically if you're turned on to Dropbox Alpha and again, it's you don't know if you're in the alpha or not. They're just turning it on. Uh, still, multiple Ars Technica staff who had no knowledge of the Dropbox AI Alpha found the setting enabled by default when they checked. In a statement to Ars Technica, a Dropbox representative said, quote, the third-party AI toggle is only turned on to give all eligible customers the opportunity to view our new AI features and functionality like Dropbox AI. It does not enable customers to use these features without notice. Any feature, and they, I mean, they're already doing, uh, what is it called, dark, dark patterns on their website, so bullshit. Um, any features that use third-party AI offer disclosure of third-party use and link to settings they can manage. Only after a customer sees the third-party AI transparency banner and chooses to proceed with asking a question about a file, will that file be sent to a third-party to generate answers. Uh, where'd it go? Uh, do, 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 do. Our customers are still in control of when and how they use these features, unquote. Right now, the only third-party uh, AI provider for Dropbox is OpenAI, writes Dropbox in the FAQ, quote, OpenAI is an artificial intelligence researcher, blah, blah, blah. Uh, disabling the feature is easy if you prefer not to use Dropbox AI features. Log in your Dropbox account on the desktop browser. Click your profile, settings, third-party AI. This link may take you to the page more quickly. On that page, click the switch beside use AI. I didn't see it earlier. I'm going to try their link. Uh, oh, supercharger productivity with AI and video updates. Okay, I'm going to hit. Ex I'm going to hit close. Uh, features vault. Yeah, I don't see the AI in there. It, it's not in mine yet, so I guess I'm not in the alpha. Keep an eye out for it, just in case. Well, you know, it's one of these things where it might be fun to play with. But I don't like the idea of shit going to it without, uh, you know, if they're only sending the file when you actually go to use the AI feature with it, that is the best way to do it. But Dropbox is unfortunately getting more and more shady these days, you know? Yeah. They used to be a really good, you know, really good company, so I don't know what's happened there. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. The quest for cash. Ah, yes. Spaceballs 2, the quest for more money. Next article is from IGN. Valve, and RU did send me this one. It's hilarious. And I know why he sent it to me. It's because I have Steam Deck. <laughs> Valve pleads with Steam Deck owners to stop inhaling the exhaust fumes. <laughs> we understand that it may be a meme, but please refrain. <laughs> the fact that there is an article. Hey. I will admit, it does have a, um, how did I phrase it? An alluring odor, odor or an alluring fragrance. <laughs> the vent for the Steam Deck is blasting out the top of the thing, so it doesn't take much of an angle for you to get a whiff of it. 
and it, it it is different. I mean, it's not it's not a bad smell. I don't know what it is, but it it, it is kind of a huh. So, I mean, hey man, you got any more of those brand new Steam decks? I just need, <laughs> I just need a huff. Yeah, one yeah. sniff, man. <laughs> Just picturing Dave Chappelle holding a Steve deck up to his nose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's up there with the warning, do not eat this wrapper. Do not put silly putty in your ear and other... Mm-hmm. Uh, Valve really wants you to stop huffing your Steam Deck exhaust fumes. <laughs> no, really. Maybe stop doing that if you are. In a December 12th Reddit post, one Steam Deck user shared that they got the official verdict from Steam Support. Somebody asked Steam Support <laughs> on whether or not it's, quote, safe to inhale the exhaust fumes from the device. <laughs> the user also clarified in their help request that the practice has become a running joke among other Steam Deck owners. Three days later, Steam Support finally put the debate the rest. Quote, as with all electronics, it is generally not recommended that you inhale the exhaust fumes of your device. Put your ta- put your lips around that tailpipe and suck. Anyways, um, the response said, "Quote: While there are no safety concerns with general usage, directly inhaling the device's vent fumes should be avoided. We understand that it may be a mean, but please refrain from this behavior for the safety of your health." Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> As far as the scientific basis for the decision goes, we can't find any reports confirming that inhaling the hot air produced by their portable electronic devices can lead to long-term negative effects, but that doesn't mean huffing your Steam Deck is guaranteed to be risk-free either. (laughs) We need to relabel Steam Decks for California now. Yes. I'm surprised they're not already. Uh, Since the Steam Deck's release in February of 2022, owners haven't shied away from the fact that the vent fumes on the portable device have an oddly satisfying scent. And a Reddit thread in r slash Steam Deck from two years ago reads, quote, does anyone else with a Steam Deck like to smell the hot air that blows out of the top of it? Unquote. Fellow Steam Deck patrons eagerly agreed, comparing the smell to, quote, walking into an old school blockbuster and, quote, ripe plastic, unquote. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, it it is that plastic smell. Uh, What started as a guilty pleasure for some Steam Deck. Oh, for fuck's sake, you nerd bastards. (laughs) What started as a guilty pleasure for some Steam Deck owners quickly evolved into a viral meme. In the months following the device's launch, more and more gamers began fessing up to taking sneaky sniffs. Quote, I just huffed the new electronics fumes directly from the Steam Deck's vent. Unquote, wrote one user on X in June of 2022. That's good shit. <laughs> and some Twitch thought needs to start bottling that shit and selling a gamer air. Quote, it's gone. It's fucking gone, mate. Like tears in the rain. <laughs> Unquote, a Redditor posted. Mourning the loss of the fresh hardware smell. Quote, 13 months after opening it, one day good smell. Number one in Japan, steady hand, then boom. Unquote. Oh my god. I, I love this. I will say, when I first got my Steam Deck and playing it, yeah, I mean, the vent blasts out of the top of the thing. All you have to do is decide to look at the backup for, for a second. Yeah, you get a whiff of it. And it it is, it's not like a bad smell. I don't know what, what it actually is. But um, it's also not the best thing to inhale because you know it's got to be plastic fumes shipped from the factory and... Uh, well, probably thermal grease. <laughs> yeah. The Steam Deck community, I'm embarrassed for you guys. <sighs> Actually, really mine's hooked up to my TV downstairs right now. That's neat. So I, instead of instead of huffing the fumes, I found a, a dock for it on Amazon that wasn't real expensive, but holds it correctly. And cool. um, yeah, I, I use it to play games on the TV. It works. Nice. It's, it's a decent way to play stuff like Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, it's running at 720, but that TV's got a pretty good upscaler in it. And, you know, a wireless Xbox controller hooked up to it works pretty good. So. Awesome. We go to the next story. Next story is from Ars Technica. Um, I should probably post the link, huh? Well, I don't know if you actually check them or not. I don't check them. 
I don't think Madman does either, so I don't know why I bother posting him on TeamSpeak anymore. I know Fox used to. Actually, Fox used to pregame it. He would ask me for the show notes early so he could pull them all up and read hey, so, hey, some, some like it, some don't. I, I prefer to just work without a net. You, you don't want to see what all I'm skipping? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I skip a lot in these stories anymore. Cause, yeah. Well, I mean, shit, we've been doing this for years. You start to recognize bullshit and fluff when you do it. It's Half of, it is, half of these tech stories are two-thirds of it's just bullshit. It's just padding out. Like what could be summed up in a half a paragraph. That's why I'm not a professional writer. I'm too terse. Mm. At work, I used to think my reports at work weren't long enough, and several managers like, no, I like them. Leave it like it is. I'm like, all right. Yeah. No one wants to read a fucking novel. No, but I, I was told to stop putting, you know, racial comments and personal insults in there. So <laughs> Never. I identify as a school bully from the 90s. <laughs> Next one is from Ars Technica. Verizon fell for a fake search warrant and gave victims' phone data to a stalker. Oh. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm tipping the hat to the social engineering. That was great. Verizon Wireless gave a female victim's address and phone logs to an alleged stalker who pretended to be a police officer, according to an affidavit filed by FBI special agent. The man, Robert Michael Glauner, three names, gotta watch out there, he's got the three names, was later arrested near the victim's home and found to be carrying a knife at the time, according to the affidavit submitted in court yesterday. Glauner allegedly traveled from New Mexico to Raleigh, North Carolina, after finding out where she lived and before arriving sent a threatening message saying that, quote, if, quote, if I can't have you, no one can, unquote. Okay, come on, guys, at least be original in your stalker notes. Wow. That's a pretty weak game. Or, or you know, if you're going to if you're going to go for the, un, you know, the unoriginal route, like, quote, scream. Or other, you know, pick a stalker out of a movie and copy that, you know, if you can't be original. Uh, he also allegedly threatened to send nude photos of the victim to her family members. Oh, that's classy. Uh, Glawner was charged yesterday with stalking and... What? Now, wait a minute. AI has gotten to the point that if you really want nude photos of somebody, don't you just need, like, a headshot? Uh, that's a question for Major. I it, wouldn't know. I yeah, haven't well, been just, playing with AI. You know, I mean, if you've got these dark fantasies, keep them, you know, do them in the computer in shame where nobody else has to see them. Don't post Hell, them on the internet, for God's sake. And don't if, act on them. Even if you're shit at making the pictures yourself, just put the picture up on our request and wait. Well, maybe not that. Somebody will do it. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't intentionally direct people to Reddit or 4chan, but, you know. <laughs> <sighs> Glauner was charged yesterday with stalking and fraud in, quote, in connection with obtaining confidential phone records, unquote, in U.S. District Court for the East District of North Carolina. Uh, we aren't posting or linking directly to the court record because it seems to contain the victim's home address. The incident was previously reported by 404 Media. Well, yeah, but now you've got the guy's name. It's not that hard to Google search and find the documents. Come on, guys. Uh, Lalner and the victim met in August or September of 2023 on xhamster.com, a porn site with dating features. Wait, wait, what? Xhamster has dating features? The fuck? That does not seem like a good idea. <laughs> but there are local perverts in your area right now? Yes, <laughs> I fucking know. I'm one of them. Oh, I, dude, how do you have a dating website on a porn? Ah, oh, fuck it. I don't care. Keep going. A porn website with dating features and, quote, had an online romantic relationship, unquote, the affidavit said. Again, just load up one of the AI girlfriends for this shit. You don't need to harass real people. Uh, the victim ended the relationship, but Glawner, quote, continued to contract or tried to contact her, unquote, the document said. Glauner tricked Verizon into providing sensitive information by sending an email and fake search warrant to vsat.cc at... Don't give out the email address! 
the email address for the Verizon Security Assurance team, which handles legal requests. Verizon didn't realize that the request was fraudulent, even though it came from a ProtonMail address, rather than from a police department or other government agency, according uh. to the affidavit filed yesterday by FBI Special Agent Michael Nylon. That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. That is highly embarrassing. From a Proton account? Are you fucking serious? An email to Verizon from, quote, Stephen1966C at Proton.me, unquote. And you know what? I don't, I don't care to read that one out. If you want to you know, sign that one up for every spam list imaginable, have fun. On, I probably shouldn't encourage that. But I just did! Uh, on September 20th. I identify as a 1990s school bully. <laughs> On September 26, 2023, he uh, said, quote, here's the PDF file for the search warrant. We are in need, we are in need if the um, sick this cell phone data as soon as possible to locate and apprehend the subs, this suspect. We also need the full name of this Verizon subscriber, the new phone number that has been assigned to her. Thank you. Unquote. The email's attachment document contained a fake affidavit written by a, quote, Detective Stephen Cooper, unquote, of the Clary, North Carolina Police Department. This and unfortunately, documents like this are not hard to fake. There's lots of examples of them in public record. Photoshop's a thing. It's a PDF, so you just don't send the text. Or half the time, if you find that the the form is an actual PDF form, you can often save them out and just pull them up in an editor and change the fields. And they're in public record. It's not like they're hard to get. And if they are hard to get, well. Google dorking is also a thing. Actually, are you? You found some template documents one time, didn't you? Yeah. For something in your government. I remember you talking about trying yeah, to do something to with it and it didn't go well. Going Google dorking for uh, Friday afternoons. That was the best. Yep. If you're looking for .gov stuff, Friday afternoons, you're a winner. Most people just get up, walk away. They don't even log out. The Cary Police Department confirmed that no officer named Stephen Cooper is employed by their agency. Nylon wrote, oh, well, weak sauce guy, at least get on Facebook and find a real officer's name. Uh, VSAT confirmed, received a phone call the same day from a man identifying himself as Cooper, who stated that the needed information on a suspect was in a homicide case. Quote, the caller stated the person involved changed your phone number, unquote, Nylon wrote. The fake affidavit asked for an, the new phone number as well as, quote, call records both outgoing and incoming, uh, unquote, and, quote, locations and text messages incoming outcoming, unquote. The affidavit for a search warrant was supposedly approved by senior court judge Gail Adams. Adams is a real judge and later confirmed to authorities, quote, that the signature displayed on the document was not hers, unquote, Nylon wrote. Nylon's affidavit also said the, quote, search warrant, unquote, was not in the proper format and does not have form AOCCR119 as required for state of North Carolina search warrants. Again, you can Google dork this shit. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be criticizing them for doing this poorly, <laughs> but when doing it poorly works, why bother to do a good, jo a good job, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, after reviewing the email and the documents sent by Cooper, Verizon provided an address and phone logs. Quote, on October 5th, 2023, Verizon Wireless provided victim one's phone records, including address and phone logs to Glauner, unquote, according to Nylon's affidavit. So at that point, he started harassing her and stalking her, and he eventually got arrested. And so I think they caught him before he was actually able to do anything. But... <sighs> And you know, you know it was some, you know, some mid-range employee of Horizon just trying to make the noisy fuck go away, you know, going, here, here's the stuff, please leave us alone. I'm or, sure that's what happened. Or it was a diversity hire. They just didn't know what they were doing. Well, either way, it was a poor quality employee who just, or, yeah. or their procedures for verifying these things are just super weak sauce. Well, I'm just looking at it. His attack, the way he attacked them, it was super fucking weak. It's, it didn't need to be a strong attack because they obviously their security is crap. See, I would think, hell, I would expect these companies of size to have some sort of a legal department involved with, with answering these kinds of things. Although, law of law, huh? 
if the if, if the cops are asking for details for something, uh, you should ask questions at least. Not just hand everything over. Well, that could you know it could be, it could be that these companies, these cell phone companies, are getting so many requests like this so often that it's just routine oh, to yeah. hand the cops whatever they want. Yeah. And so somebody says, oh, I'm a cop. Give me this person's information. And they just do it. Well, that young lady who got stalked, she has grounds to sue them. Oh, absolutely. But again, it goes down to just these companies don't care. No. That was the theme last week. That's the theme this week. Companies just don't fucking care. You can't trust them to have your best interest. So don't. If you can. That's the problem, though. You know, if you want to have... You know, the modern and, and, you know, if you're on the internet, you have a cell phone, you're interacting with these companies, whether you want to or not. And it's not like any of them are great. So I, I don't know. I do like, are you don't, don't have a phone, go, go live in the woods, you know, a couple of days out of the week, just in case. <laughs> well, yeah, I assume you're not be... still doing that while it's so cold. No, no, I, I stopped doing that. When I moved into the new house, because all all the good areas are on the other side of town, mm. um, in reasonable bushland here, but uh, backs up onto a highway, so I'm not going to go tracking through there. You know what I mean? Yeah, people might question the bush shelter peaceful. on the side of the highway. Yeah, it's not very peaceful on the side of a highway with it. the other place. Man, there was like a gorge and good walking tracks, and that was worth hanging around for a while. And uh, Mobility is an issue now as well. It's getting harder and harder to walk each week. Looking forward to my cane. Oh, well. Hey, at least you can get like a uh, one of those cane sword things. Well, I was thinking of a Gandalf staff. I mean, I haven't figured out what cane's going to be good for me yet. But I'm going to hold off on the whole cane thing for last. Well, if you were in this country, I'd suggest a shotgun cane. You know, the one that's a hollow tube and has a shell in the handle. But um, in your country, that would probably get you sent off to a Gestapo. So Yeah. Or sent sent off to the gulag by the Gestapo. Ha! I'll get it right. I have been drinking, like, a lot. Put some thought into it anyway. It's If I have to use a cane every day, it's going to be a multifunction thing. Yeah. Well, we'll pick the right one so that we can, you know, put a couple of uh, computer, uh, like we are Raspi, you know, zeros or something stacked up in it. Oh, you have a VR oh, headset that have a USB port. Yeah, there you go. It's definitely going to have a USB port that I can sneakily walk around plugging it into things. Yeah. We'll we'll talk. I can I can help you with that. All right. Uh, what do we got now? Uh, uh, next Dojo? article was sent to me by Cycros from The Verge. Okay. Uh, Epic versus Google. The future of Google's App Store is at stake in a lawsuit by Fortnite developer or publisher Epic Games. Epic sued Google in 2020 after a fight over in-app purchase fees, claiming the Android operating system's Google Play Store constituted, <coughs> constituted, I'll get it right, an unlawful monopoly. It wanted Google to make using third-party app stores, sideloading apps, and non-Google payment processors easier. While Google said its demands would damage Android's ability to offer a secure user experience and compete with iOS. On December 11th, the jury ruled in Epic's favor, finding that Google has turned its Play Store app store and Google Play billing service into an illegal monopoly, answering yes to every question in front of them about Google's monopoly power, anti-competitive behavior, and illegal ties uh, between the different parts of its business. So... This was just announced today, I think. But um, yeah, so Epic won their case against Google, which means they're going right back to court with Apple because they already lost a case against Apple for this. Yeah. But um, this is interesting because it means other payment processors and different app stores are probably going to get opened up on Android. That's both good and bad. Um it's good in that competition is a good thing and it'll force app stores to actually, you know, it'll, there'll be a reason to differentiate. You might have an app store that carefully curates what goes into it. And then maybe another one that just lets anything and everything in versus, you know, Google's is fairly open and iOS is fairly restrictive. Um, I tend to like, 
It's going to sound weird for me. I tend to like the iOS model because they at least scan their shit before it goes up. There's less malware in the iOS store. There's still malware in the iOS store. There's just less of it. Um, and Apple is, strangely enough, from what I've read and what I've seen, they tend to respect your privacy settings more than the Android stuff does, which is, Man. you wouldn't expect it, but they kind of do. <laughs> so, but that's also because Apple sells you the hardware, right? They've got the full stack, whereas Google's Google's kind of a Microsoft in this regard. They're not selling you the phone. They're only doing the software stack. So, anyways. Uh... Oh, I just saw the clock. All right, We've got two stories left. No dojo tonight, so let's just uh, let's just blaze through these last stories. Unless you had something on that previous one. No, I get nothing on that. All right, Voyager One stops communicating with Earth. This is from CNN.com. Uh, Voyager NASA's Voyager One spacecraft has experienced a computer glitch that's causing a bit of a communications breakdown between the 46-year-old probe and its mission team on Earth. 46 years old. I wonder what, I wonder, it's got to be custom hardware, but I'm like, I'm kind of wondering what is its computer even running, right? <laughs> I have no idea, man. Yeah, engineers are currently trying to solve the issue as the aging spacecraft explores uncharted cosmic territory along the outer reaches of the solar system. Voyager 1 is currently the farthest spacecraft from Earth at about 15 billion miles, 24 billion kilometers away, while its twin, Voyager 2, has traveled more than 12 billion miles from our planet. Both are in interstellar space are and are the only spacecraft ever to operate beyond the heliosphere, the sun's bubble of magnetic fields and particles that extends well beyond the orbit of Pluto. Initially designed to last five years, the Voyager probes are the two longest operating spacecraft in history. Their exceptionally long life their long lifespans means that both spacecraft have provided additional insights into our solar system and beyond after achieving their preliminary goals of flying by Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune decades ago. But their unexpected lengthy journeys have not been without challenges. Voyager 1 has three onboard computers, including a flight data system that collects information from the spacecraft's science instruments and bundles it with engineering data that reflects the current health status of Voyager 1. Mission Control on Earth receives that data in binary code, or a series of ones and zeros. But Voyager 1's flight data system now appears to be stuck on auto-repeat in a scenario where business... Okay, don't make a grand hell day joke. So... It's possible, you know, it's possible they could send a command to it and get it back up and going. The problem is, as far out as it is, sending a command to it takes months. So, they've got to be very careful with what they do with the thing so they don't permanently lose connection with it. But, um, yeah, there's some cool stuff they're doing to keep these things going. And I hope they reestablish connection, but if they don't, well, we all kind of knew we'd lose communication with them eventually as they kept going beyond the solar system right so yeah voyager okay here it is voyager one is so far away that it takes 22 and a half hours for commands sent from earth to reach the spacecraft additionally the team must wait an additional 45 hours for a response so yeah it's like a week to send a command of the thing that's a hell of a wait on the command line isn't it (laughs) well the good news is it's gonna smash into some backwater planet a long way away and some species is going to have their Roswell moment it's like oh fuck the humans are trying to get out of their solar system we can't have this (laughs) have you seen what they do to each other we don't want them out in the cosmos and the final story I have for you tonight are you sent me this story I'm pretty sure it was just so we would trade off saying the name of the hacking group (laughs) Gee. I thought it was amusing. Only one publication would actually print the name. Uh, this is from CSO Online. GE investigates alleged data breach into confidential projects. Hackers associated with a group named... Go ahead, are you? Oh, I forgot the name. Fuck. Of course you did. Hackers no, no, associated... I'm going I'm to read it. Just wait, I just got to open the tab. Um, Cyber niggers. <laughs> Hackers, great. hackers associated with group named Cyber Niggers have claimed that they have breached General Electric and accessed information related to confidential military projects that the company was working on. Last week, Intel broker, a member of the, are you? Cyber Niggers. Criminal group, claimed that the 
claimed to have breached the multinational tech giant and attempted to sell its network access for $500 on an hacker form, according to Bleeping Computer. The alleged breach also claimed access to confidential information related to U.S. government defense R&D agency DARPA, which G, uh, GE has contracts with. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. In a post on a hacker forum, Intel broker claimed that they initially at, uh, attempted to sell alleged SSH and SVN access to GE networks, but upon failing to find suitable buyers, the threat actor is now attempting re-attempting to sell the leaked data to whoever is willing to pay for it. Samples of data put up for sale on the hacker forum include SQL database files, military documents, aviation systems, technical descriptors, and guides and maintenance reports. The hacker said GE engages in the creation and production of aerospace technology, specifically aircraft engines. The company also collaborates with DARPA, working on diverse projects related to advanced materials research, energy, and electronics utilized in defense applications. We are aware of claims made by a bad actor regarding GE data and are investigating these claims. We'll take appropriate measures to help identify or protect the integrity of our systems, unquote, a GE spokesperson told Bleeping Computer. Intel brokers known for a few successful high-profile attacks in the past, including the data breaches at We Grocery Service, the District of Columbia's DC HealthLink program, and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. So... I mean, that's pretty much it. That's it. You're mostly just making fun of the name, but oh, uh, I feel no. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a fantastic name. For the simple fact that the news media won't fucking say it on air. <laughs> they effectively became anonymous because no one will say their name. It's a brilliant name. It's a good tactic. I like it. You know, like especially around. Um, say we're trying to tackle the uh, intruders. You know, and you have some diversity in the room, and somebody just splurts out cyber niggers and HRs involved. And you're like, no, I was trying to give a report on the attack. It's like, no, that's what they're called, guys. Look on the Intel sites. (laughs) My God, you wrote it down as well. That's double HR. (laughs) No, guys, I swear. I just didn't make it up. (laughs) Oh, fuck. That was a brilliant name. Anyways, anyway. that's all I got for tonight. Listen to the stream where I was working on Pear Decking every Thursday, starting in mid-January, because we're going to be off for a few weeks. Uh, the Galaxy 15 radio site, uh, the BBS in the IRC tonight. Let's see. We have Al Hazard, Cycros, myself, Neurobash, Sardonyx, and she. Are you? Do you have any closing thoughts for us tonight? Um... If you're looking for a movie this weekend, uh, you won't go wrong by watching uh, Tetris. I enjoyed Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a good good movie. That was not what a Famicom Tetris cartridge looked like. And no, we did poke holes in it, but uh, it's it was still worth watching. Computers of that vintage could not run Tetris in basic at speed. It would have been an assembler, but I understand why they showed basic, because that's what most people think programming looks like, and kind of is, uh, so... Yeah, so do yourself a favor, check that out, and uh, I'll see you next year. All right, that's that's it. It's sound effects time. Thank you for your continuing patience during this transitional zombie apocalypse. Your satisfaction is very important to us. God hates Australia. It certainly does. I have never been horny in my entire life. <laughs>